2: Good day, good day, and welcome. Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for supporting it. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. Uh, find me on the internet, Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Uh, Thursday night, find me in person, building a retirement portfolio that lasts. This is a pretty key concept of financial planning and financial issues. You know, buying a home, insurance, having enough money to last till the day you die, having a portfolio that pays you income, because Social Security is a supplement. It's not the whole thing as far as income goes in retirement. Here to talk a little bit more about that and to plug his appearance both on radio every Monday and Tuesday at 2 o'clock here on KDOW AM 1220, but also at the seminar Thursday night, building a retirement portfolio that last. CFP, Chad Burton, newfocusfinancial.com. How are you, Chad? Doing great. great Um, let's talk a little bit about risk tolerance because obviously that's very very important you have to know what you can handle in retirement well i just in every part of the market right Um, how do you start to transition to maybe less risk or more appropriate risk
3: yeah i mean it's amazing how somebody's risk tolerance changes once they you know Resigned from work, and I say, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go retire. And you get these people that have been extremely aggressive all their lives, and then they go into a shock mode where, okay, I used to be you know, 80% stocks, 90% stocks, and very little bonds. And I'm okay with that. I would buy when the market dropped. I would never panic. And then they get to the point where they're retired, so they tend to watch it more. They tend to, unfortunately, um, listen to the news more, which is always a little bit shocking. Um, both on the upside and the downside and they start making emotional mistakes. So risk tolerance drastically changes at that point of retirement where you go from having a paycheck and you're feeding your accounts on a bi weekly basis to these are your accounts and this is all you have for the next thirty five to forty five years. And that's it. So risk tolerance drastically changes and it can change a couple of times throughout retirement, whether you go through a big, you know, two thousand seven, two thousand nine type of market correction. Um, or maybe a couple of years of mediocre returns, it, it changes. And you really have to, you know, go through a, a, a transition situation starting 10 years out. And, you know, in the past, if we are 10 years out from of retirement, you just to start altering your, your contributions. Just start adding and building up your bond funds or add the stable value funds inside your 401K and slowly build up that, contribution to a more conservative portfolio over time so it's not as much of a shock from going to super aggressive to super conservative and you can still do that now i think mean, now is not a great time for a 55 year old to accumulate a ton of bonds if they're not retiring for 10 years whose bonds aren't paying much but you know maybe you do something like move part of an ira to a bond alternative um maybe you look at your mortgage situation and if you're way into the amortization schedule of a 30-year loan and you're going to retire in 10 to 15 years, maybe you refinance to a 15-year loan and get that loan paid off so your cash flow is a lot lower in retirement rather than having to buy a bunch of bonds um, at this point in time. Uh, and a lot of times it's really a matter of, Rob, peeling some of those stock gains when we have good years and then putting those somewhere safe. So you're kind of you know pulling the house money off the table, and stocking that away so it's more safe, and that's a little bit of an easier transition for people that used to be aggressive that need to be more conservative.
2: Is that realistic to expect the average person to peel gains, or do you need a discipline of a financial planning robot to be able to do it and not kind of play into that, uh, I'm going to take a chance here, or I'm just going to let it ride out a little bit longer, it's a winner, why am I peeling gains from a winner? Right. Can a real person do it, do you think?
3: Um, I would say that most people that are trying to do it on their own would need to do this slower, longer transition of changing their contributions, and robots are horrible at this. Um, You know, the the whole robo-advisor thing is find a replacement of index investors for younger people. They're a good option, but financial planners, good ones, are more like counselors, and they help deal with emotion. And... Uh, stopping people from making mistakes like completely selling out in 2009 at the bottom of the market or, you know, even this last February when people were starting to freak out and wanting to, oh, my gosh, this, this market's going to zero type things. And it, it, it just becomes an emotional situation. So dealing with a counselor and, and having a written plan, sticking that plan and always reminding people to take the emotion out of investing, that's what's really important.
2: So one of the things I've learned from you through the years, and a lot of it's repetition, and some of it evolves, but it turns into repetition again, is the basic target three years of pay and cash. It, everyone needs to kind of be able to do that or stick with that basic concept. Is that right?
3: Yeah, and it's really with the three years of what? What is the number? And If, you, if you're targeting three years worth of your you know paycheck and cash, that's probably too much. It's three years of what you're retirement portfolio draws are going to be. So starting 10 years out from retirement, that's when it's extremely important to finally have a very detailed retirement plan in terms of cash flow. Um, What is your long-term cash flow going to look like between now and until you're 105 years old, let's say, if you're going to live that long, if you're super healthy. And, And so what that detailed cash flow will show you is by the time you get to retirement, you're Here's your current retirement expenses plus all of your medical costs. And we have to push that forward with inflation and say, okay, you're going to have a certain amount of taxes that you're going to pay because of the accounts that you have, whether it's a 401k, which is 100% taxable, whether it's stocks or mutual funds that are you're going to pay capital gains on or a Roth IRA that's tax-free. you got to be able to look at your tax situation. And so you have your gross expenses, which is your expenses, plus your taxes, plus your health care costs, minus – what your automatic income is, which is your Social Security or pension. Um, sometimes your dependable rental income will count towards that, and then you get that net number that you're going to have to draw from your portfolio each and every year, and that's your target. You need three years worth of that number in cash, not three years worth of your paycheck, but three years worth of your portfolio draw in cash, and you you know you want to know that number ten years out from retirement, and you want to have that number almost all the way dialed in five years out from retirement.
2: So you're going to be speaking at the building a retirement portfolio that lasts in San Jose Thursday night just a couple of days from now. Um, people can sign up at your website, newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. It's Thursday evening, building a retirement portfolio that lasts. Uh, one final concept that I want to really hit on, how many of your 401K choices are just awful? How does that play into the income and retirement story?
3: Yeah, that's the thing. It's like there's a lot of good 401Ks out there that have great – you know, index fund choices, and they're fine for the accumulators, but where they get to be really awful is the bond choices that I see in these plans. They're just so limited, um, and there used to be a lot of stable value choices in 401 case. Long story short, you know, that, that, that key time, that, you know, five to ten years away from retirement, most plans allow you to do what's called an in-service rollover when you're 59 and a half. Some of them allow you to do it at 55. But most plans at 59 and a half allow you to say, look, I want to take an in-service rollover, and you can take at minimum all of your contributions um, and sometimes more and roll them into an IRA that you either manage on your own or you have somebody that will manage it for you. Now, you don't want to do this with a commission-based person that is going to tell you, a loaded or annuity with surrender charges and things like that, you want to make sure you're careful. and It's part of your overall comprehensive plan that you've gotten from, that you've received from a, a person that your charges fees rather than commissions. So you have to be careful, but there is an option out there if, if your 401k choices okay. are awful.
2: Thanks very much. It's CFP Chad Burton. You can listen to him today at two o'clock here on AM 1220. You can also meet him in person and myself at the Four Points by Sheraton San Jose Air- Airport. Um, Thursday, May 19, 6.30 to 9. You can sign up at robblackshow.com or newfocusfinancial.com.
1: Listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. You know how it's been
2: one of those years where we've had a lot of storms in the spring? You turn on the TV and you see like golf ball sized hail in Texas, things along those lines. Well, that's been very good for Home Depot, as you could well imagine. Um, Strong profit, strong sales. Healthy healthy housing market as well, earnings about $1.8 billion for the fiscal quarter, up 14%. Year-over-year year, sales jumped 9%. Uh, terribly well-run company, terribly well-run, and, uh they do things right. So just worthy of noting that for you. Uh, as far as investing in Home Depot, if you're a long-term patient investor, I think it make, make some sense. Uh, if you believe in the housing market, of course, things aren't cheap at Home Depot right now as far as stocks go, uh, but there's very few people who can compete with them. Uh, Lowe's is a nice alternative. I usually don't say that, but uh, there's room enough for two. Maybe not a lot of room for three, four, and five if you see how much number one and number two take up. So Home Depot stocked down a little bit today, but near an all-time high. So it's in all-time high is 137. It's currently uh, 134. So it's one of those companies that you can throw in there like with a Nike and a Visa and say, you know, these are big, big names and they're not going to go away anytime soon. Let's talk a little real estate with Tony Mendez. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, talking a little real estate. And Tony and I are friends and we go back ways and he does all my mortgage loans. And anytime I need to refer someone, I know that he gets the job done. Um. He and I talk on a regular basis, and one of our conversations recently was, I think you should consider buying or pushing Oakland as the next big thing, in large part because of the Google buses, because of the Facebook buses, it's telling me that people are willing to travel large distances to get to work, and they want affordable housing. They also want a party in San Francisco, but they want affordable housing, and I look at the affordable housing of Oakland as attractive compared to San Francisco enormously, and I think the next wave of jobs—maybe it's people getting fired, maybe it's maybe the jobs don't come—but I think if jobs come, I think you know an area like in Oakland
4: will do very very well. What's your thoughts? Well, the first important thing that you said was it's affordable, or more affordable. And the Bay Area—everybody knows the Bay Area is expensive. I mean, median home price is over five hundred thousand dollars, and that pertains to Oakland as well. There's several five hundred thousand dollar homes plus. Um, but yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people have to start considering places like the East Bay, Oakland, San Leandro, Hayward, Fremont, so on. Well, Fremont, maybe not so much. The, their median price is over 600,000, but it's all about affordability and people are starting to look at places like Oakland and, and Jacqueline and condos and so forth. There was a big condo rush in Oakland, um, and which has driven the, the community there. There's a really nice, um, night, uh, uh, nightlife in Oakland. You know, the Fox theaters there, Broadway, Telegraph area is really nice. I'll be and honest with you. I went to a show. I saw a train, I think it was. Who else have I seen there? You saw the, the girl. What's her name?
2: Um, pianist. Yeah. What is her name? Uh, 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 That one. That one. Um, long story short, got really drunk. Had a good time. Partied, stayed at a hotel right across from the Fox. Mm-hmm um rebecca something why am i forgetting this anyway neither here nor there i think it, it's vibrant enough in regina, regina specter you're correct okay so different topic different topic um and i might have been the only straight male there that night <laughs> just so you know just so you know um so is there a chance that we're wrong about potentially thinking that the next big thing is oakland when in reality like you mix that with people under 35 they're future homebuyers buyers. They're the future jobs that we need to come in and support an area. Again, I own no real estate in Oakland. I'm just, you know, talking this through. That I don't think anyone can afford my city. Um, they could afford the outskirts of my city, which I guess maybe that's the outskirts of the San Francisco. Is Oakland? And should people be looking at the
4: outskirts of great cities, or should they be looking at Oakland? Oh, uh, I, I would look at. I would. It's all up to. Uh, that's a tough question, Rob. Because I know there's no right answer. There is no right answer. Uh, first-time home buyers, especially, are are getting squeezed. Their rents are going up, home prices are going up, rates are going up. There's no inventory. Right. I mean, what how, how worse of a scenario can you have? Um, and and that eventually is going to turn neighborhoods in, in, into better neighborhoods. There's going to be some transitions, and Oakland is one of them, in the outlying areas of Oakland. Uh, and we're already starting to see that. Um, there was a big condo push like we had talked about, and, and that's revitalizing a lot of the businesses in, in that are nearby. And, and that's going to continue spreading. Um, the, the area between Berkeley and Oakland, that's being revitalized. Uh, and home prices are going up. Taxes are going up. Uh, revenues from taxes are going up. So it, it, it's a snowball effect, um, so to speak. And at the same time, a lot of more people are able to refinance and stay in their homes. So... Um, I like Oakland. I like the East Bay. There's This morning, traffic was great. I okay. was able to get up and down 880 at 6 o'clock this morning. That's it rare. Was, it, which is rare. Typically, there's a couch on the road. You know what's funny is I hear, you know, I check the traffic reports, and 880 is great. You know, there's always something on 580 or 680 and never on 880. Rarely, except for a, a except for the cow f- tractor trailer flipped over in right, East Bay. I know what you're trying to say, but you know, I I like the fact that you've changed. Your you tune. know that I'm. Oh, you know, I've you've changed your tune on on East Bay. I'm not. I a, like it. No, I'm I'm saying
2: you always have to look at the opportunities and trends, and I am fascinated by the millennials because they don't mind smaller spaces. So I think if Oakland hits, I think it will be in the condos
4: and townhouses, which I typically it, it don't. Has. There's so few inventory right now in condos, and and all of them are expensive. But there's a lot of people that still could be, as you use the word, pushed out.
2: Um, I use the word gentrification. It goes back to my time in New York when I saw Hell's Kitchen go from a rough neighborhood to a lot of yuppies sipping you know, uh, grass tea. And I think the same thing happens in Oakland. Where yep. the taxes go up, I think people get pushed out. I think the anger that you saw in San Francisco over Google buses, I think, turns into the anger that you'll see in Oakland is, Again, money, money talks, and rent control loses over time as the landlords and owners want desperately to get higher costs out of, uh, higher payments out of people. Anyhow, and anyway, that's Tony Mendez. You can find him at Bay Source dot com. That's Bay Area Loan Source dot com. Good resource for all things tied towards real estates and loans. Bay Area Loan Source dot com. And I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You really do have to pay attention to the millennials because they shop in different ways than non-millennials and Generation X and baby boomers. They love technology. Um, They especially love using technology to socialize. On top of that, they care about social issues, authenticity, and adventure. So pay attention to companies that tap into that because that's where money will go and where money goes, investments will follow. If you want to improve your net worth, if you want to improve your finances, start tracking your net worth. Tracking your net worth not only shows you where you stand, but it also shows your progress over time and tracking it's pretty easy with various tools that are out there like mint.com, M-I-N-T.com. Come up with an investment plan, kind of write down your recipe of how much you're going to put in and how much you're going to make and uh, your wage growth and your goals. Try to do a recipe plan on your investments. Eight hundred five what or not on your investments, but your goals. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me at com.
1: online at robblack.com now back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: welcome in Rob Black and your money I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing and more I'm always honored to have Patrick O'Hare Chief markets analyst with uh, briefing.com joining me you can find him at briefing.com how are you today Mr. O'Hare
5: hey Rob I'm doing well thank you good to be back with you.
2: It's good to have you. Um, market's kind of not going anywhere. It seems to be fluctuating, caught in that zone. Uh, what are you seeing as far as current market conditions and readings?
5: Yeah, you, know, you have a market that's looking fairly indecisive these days, um, but I think it's you know you could say that it's acting somewhat rationally in the in the sense that you had such a huge run from those february lows and now you're you're taking some time to uh to digest those gains and and finding that it's you know a bit difficult obviously to extend them knowing that the market is sporting a a full valuation and and knowing that the uh, earnings and economic growth trends still aren't uh, up to par, really, to uh, to make one convinced that they're uh, <clears throat> you know buying here at <clears throat> excuse me at an opportune uh, price level. So you need to see uh, an acceleration really in the economic and uh, and earnings growth trends. I think for the market to have some uh, some confidence in trying to um, to get this next leg higher going. Um, and with what's going you know what's what's in front of the market in June, those some key events. Um, I think you have really a really dominant uh, mentality of wait and see right now. And that's why you get this chop that you have from, you know, one day to the next.
2: So with all that chop, where do you think it leads at this point in time? Do you think we eventually break for a correction, a pause, a lower market? Or do you think we could be building up some strength from some of the uh, economic data that's out there that we're not going down, that there are jobs being created, houses are being built, and uh there's some positives out there as well that could be building some momentum,
5: yeah, well, you know I think you're you're kind of hitting the nail on the head there rob, and I mean that that's gonna be the key thing really is like do we see um the actual data live up to the market's hopeful expectations right because uh, one of the drivers, the primary driver of that run we saw off the February low was this idea that uh, with the dollar weakening with oil prices and other commodity prices rising you 'd see uh, you know better earnings growth in the second half of the year, and of course, along with that you 've got the added narrative that economic growth should be better in the second half of the year, um, certainly in terms of u s GDP given the weakening dollar you know we 've heard those. Same. We've heard that same narrative before um, in past years, right? And the, it, I guess the economy and earnings have never quite lived up to those high expectations uh, in recent years. And so, you, you kind of have this, um, uh, this, this tug of war, if you will, where you, you, know, you go through quarters that are looking good, and then they get rolled back in the next quarter when things don't pan out quite as expected. And so, that. Really is the key ingredient though. You need that data to substantiate those hopeful expectations here if, uh, if you're gonna see, I think, this, this breakout to new highs. Uh, because right now, you know, you have a market that's trading at close to 18 times forward earnings and, uh, and that's a full valuation and there's not, uh, a lot of conviction in buying at that level because the earnings estimate trends have not, uh, necessarily, um, started to pick up. To lend some confidence to the idea that maybe the market's not as overvalued as it as it as it seems, uh, and and so you just again you have this sort of wait and see mentality. Um, you know we need to know what's going to come out of this second quarter earnings reporting period, and we need to see how the data is going to unfold. I think for uh, market participants to have any real conviction in the idea that uh, that there's more upside potential than downside risk right now, and I think that what's what's dominating at this juncture is the fear or the concern that there's really more downside risk than upside potential at this juncture.
2: Taking a look at retail, it's showing a very mixed picture, which, again, it gets back to what you threw out in your page one column this morning, all mixed up. Um, Home Depot looks great. Amazon looks great. TJ Maxx looks great. And then you could look at other companies and Macy's, for instance, and say, ooh, not so pretty. Um, the mixed picture in retail is kind of translating to a mixed economy which is kind of translating to a mixed stock market? Is that a question mark I'm throwing out there? and might kind of
5: pin it in it together? Yeah, you know, the, the retail picture, I think I saw a headline yesterday on, on uh, some, uh, some site saying how uh, consumers aren't spending. Uh, and that was totally misleading, right? Consumers are definitely spending, right? They're just changing the way that they spend and where they spend. And as you allude to, you're seeing some tremendous sales growth at Amazon.com and, and in this online space. You're seeing, uh, you know, plenty of uh, growth still at, a, at a, a great company like Home Depot. Um, you know, you're seeing uh, spending pick up in, you know, restaurants and travel services. And and so consumers are definitely spending, but they're um, – uh, but they're pulling back in other areas uh you know in the accessories and the apparels and uh, groups uh so things like that um so it does lend itself to a rather mixed outlook for the retail sector where you need to be selective you need to um, understand you know where the uh consumer is is you know finding the most value and and uh essentially uh getting the best experience for the return on on the money they're they're spending. Uh, and it's not in the apparel and accessories retailing groups right now. Um, Does that present some potential long-term investment ideas within that space? I think it does, but I think that uh, right now, um, with the transition having been so abrupt here with this latest earnings reporting period showing that there's been a real shift in how consumers spend, it might be a little too early here to jump in yet on some of these uh, beaten-down department store and apparel stocks uh, if you're looking for total return ideas, Uh, but I'd add that, you know, some of these stocks offer some nice dividend yields, um, but that's by virtue of the fact that their stock prices have come down so much. But, for instance, Kohl's right now, I think, is, you know, yielding over 5%, um, but, of course, its stock has gotten hammered, and so if you're an income investor, maybe there's some opportunity in there, Uh, and if you have the patience to ride out this cycle, uh, you probably could be rewarded, but probably a little too early here to, to jump in with any conviction on those beaten down names.
2: I was taking a look at your big picture column that you put together once a week, or I think once a week, and taking a look at the earnings per share growth. I see the financials weak down eight point six percent, but then I see energy down one hundred and six percent year over year. Do you see that as opportunity typically, or do you see that as let's wait till we see a positive? Let's wait till you know uh, it's turned at least, because some around suddenly turns, so as says Warren Buffett, but do you wait, or do you see bargains there?
5: Well, I think you, know, you can certainly uh, see some opportunity in the extreme negativity, right? Um, okay. you know, you, you're correct in that you know the energy sector is <laughs> showing a year-over-year uh, earnings decline of 106 uh, percent because the sector itself is actually reporting a loss uh, for the quarter, according to S&P Capital IQ. But ironically enough, do you know what the best-performing sector is this quarter? Uh, in the market, it's, you know, it's the, uh, it's the energy sector, (laughs) right? So the 500 energy sector is up 7% uh, quarter to date. Um, So, so I think it's clear that there are plenty of market participants that see that opportunity and the negativity, meaning, you know, with a strong price performance like that in the face of just lousy earnings growth, the mentality has kicked in, I think, that the sector is, is at or very near an earnings trough. And so they're buying the um, the rebound potential there in the energy sector. Um, and so <clears throat> so to get back to your original question, <clears throat> sure, I, I think there is, you know, some opportunity there when you've had several quarters <clears throat> of really, really poor earnings uh, growth. And, and that's why I said with the retail sector a moment ago with some of those department store and apparel retailer names, it might be, you know, too early to, to jump in there yet because uh, that, earnings difficulty just kind of seems to seems to start uh, is just starting it seems it might have a few more quarters to play out whereas the energy sector we've obviously seen for several quarters now post some really lousy numbers and but there's a stronger sense here with the rise in the oil prices of late um, that that particular sector could be close to an earnings drop and therefore you're getting some more uh, you're not just getting the, the speculative money coming into the sector I think you're getting some of that more investment minded money that's underpinning things here that's willing to except some of the volatility you might see here from month to month, but ultimately thinks that you're getting in at a pretty good cost basis from a long-term standpoint.
2: We've got about a minute left, uh, softball question. Anything that you're working on that you think we should be aware of as far as insights into the mind of you?
5: Sure. Um, yeah, I, you know, the big picture column I do write and I publish it every Friday. Um, and this week, I you know, I'm just going to take on the question of, you know, why, why should the market here in the U.S. care about that Brexit vote? You know that's coming up in June. Um, you might not think that the UK economy is is all that important to the world economy. I believe it counts for about four percent of world GDP. But um, but there could be some potential domino effects there uh, that kick in in the event that um, UK citizens go ahead and vote to leave the European Union. Um, so I'm just going to be exploring that important issue, and, and it's you know one of several things that's coming up in June that's going to create some volatility for the markets, and certainly a lot of headline volatility. The other two things in particular are the OPEC meeting at the beginning of the month, and then certainly the FOMC meeting in, in the middle of the month. But um, but keep your eye out for that uh, for that big picture piece. It's going to focus on the one that thing that happens toward the end of the month, which is the Brexit vote.
2: Love your work. It's Patrick O'Hare. You can find him at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. Lots of good insights, starting with his page one, but also the big picture. Uh, Page one's daily big pictures on Fridays. Pretty good stuff. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more.
1: Black and your money on AM twelve twenty KDOW on the I Radio app.
2: I'm Rob Black talking money investing, in more. Thanks for listening to the show. Anything you want to talk about, we could be we can talk about it. 800 516 1220 It's 800 516 1220 HP is using an industry conference right now to provide new details about a five-year development effort applying conventional printer technology to fabricate physical items, i.e. 3D printing, making your own Nikes at home. HP won't begin shipping the new machines until 2016, but the company has started taking orders with a $130,000 starting price tag. I'd say ouch on that, but it is what it is, right? Um, don't get too caught up in, uh, technology. You don't want to do it. So, uh, you want to be patient. You kind of want to take your time. You don't want to, uh, get too anxious. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Again, anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about money investing and more election years are steeped with the one thing that the stock market absolutely positively hates. And I'll give you a second to think about what does the market absolutely positively hate? Well, keep in mind, the market is a pricing mechanism. Um, So what's that mean? What's that mean? The market and will move up or down if The economy is doing well. That's certainly a large part about it. The sector is certainly a large part about it. The individual companies, very large part of it. Um, But visibility. um, And you could say visibility is also tied towards what's called uncertainty. The market hates uncertainty. There is a very big difference between the presidency potential of, um, Trump versus Clinton. So you have to figure out what you're most comfortable with to, in that regard. Um, so HP, eh, that's a cute story, right? Jack Dorsey is considered to be moving too slow to save Twitter. He's on a mission to save Twitter, right? Social network plans to stop counting photos and links to the 140-character limits for your tweets in the next couple of weeks. Um, it's long overdue, but it seems to be moving very, very slowly. Taco Bell is testing upscale interiors to boost diner, you know, trade, so to speak. Instead of just, you know, go seeing customers run in for a quick lunchtime burrito, Taco Bell is trying to upscale some designs in its stores. So it's not just the food that brings you in, it's also sometimes the atmosphere. Um, and all of them need to constantly evolve, or they will die. AMC is really proud of itself for the number of young viewers that regularly watch its TV shows. Young viewers tend to have the best you know, fit for advertisers. Uh, 18 to 35 people spend money. Um, AMC prides itself on a large number of viewers. The network's trying to take one of its shows to younger viewers right now, Preacher. It's a comic book from, I guess, our childhood or something like that. And that's going to debut. And what they did yesterday was they put the first five minutes of the show on Snapchat. Snapchat popular with millennials, young people. Young people popular with advertisers. Are you with me or against me? TJ Maxx stock is gained today after the retailer beat Wall Street Earnings Expectations. Not all retailers are built the same. Amazon uh, doing very, very well. Home Depot doing very well, tied towards a lot of the storms during the spring, but also home ownership. Uh, I had a party recently, and I go to Home Depot and I get some fresh flowers and you know a couple other you know things here and there, and I look up and the bill is whoa, are you kidding me? It's like seventy dollars all of a sudden. It's like whoa, uh, but it is okay. Oil is around $49 a barrel, uh, with the, within sight of a six-month high. There's some supply outages in Nigeria, Canada, and other producers, uh, which are kind of eroding the persistent glut that's out there. So supply and demand obviously play into it. Pandora's a big winner today. There's news that an activist Vexter Corvax wants them to put themselves up for sale basically expressing concern about its stock price, and says it's a great product, but they can't seem to pull in the money to make it work. Uh, Home Depot beat expectations, like I said. Sales were strong, healthy housing market. They earned $1.8 billion. Absolutely, Home Depot belongs in the conversation of, you know, great companies that you can invest in over the long term that always seem to be at 52-week highs. Names like Disney, names like Visa, names like Home Depot, names like Nike, Um, real solid. Elsewhere, consumer inflation posted its largest increase in three years. And, again, that's going to make the Fed minutes even more important as they're released this week. What are they seeing out there? Now, the inflation was heavily tied towards one thing that we buy in our lives, Uh, not necessarily towards rent, not necessarily towards airlines. But the inflation came very much so in gasoline prices, up 8%. So in April, uh, a couple weeks ago, I was like, woohoo! gas is at, you know, 255. And then next thing I know, it's at 299. So we've seen some inflation there. College graduates enjoy are enjoying the best job market in years. It's the hottest job market uh, for the expected 1.9 million students who will graduate. Employers are estimated to hire about 5% more graduates from the class of 2016 than last year. Think about summertime vacations. Think about being flexible on your dates and flying midweek. Use apps to monitor fares and choose direct flights. um, And look for packages. You can find me online at robblackshow.com, Twitter, robblackshow.com. Come to the event live, building a retirement portfolio that lasts four points by Sheraton San Jose Airport. You can sign up for the event at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. It's this Thursday. I'd love to see you out there. I'll talk stocks and other ideas. CFP Chad Burton will be there as well.